Perspectives on Easter, a Tent and Thrive special. This is it. It will all end on a hill outside of old Jerusalem, here on the hill called Golgotha, which the Romans call Calvary. The name means the place of the skull because the shape of this hill resembles that of a human skull. But it could be called that for other reasons, too. Many a corpse has been dumped near here, eventually decomposing into nothing but skeletons. Perhaps my skull will be among them. The soldiers are supposed to bury unclaimed bodies in the potter's field, but they sometimes take the easy way out, leaving the bodies as food for the scavengers. It's about the eighth hour. That's what I heard from one of the people down there in the crowd say. I have no idea how long I've been nailed to this tree. It's strange how time takes on new meaning when you know you're running out of it. As I hang here on this cross, I can feel the life slowly ebbing out of me. The pain is excruciating, but that's nothing new. I've been a criminal for most of my life, and I've been punished many times before. The Romans can be sadistically cruel. I've endured so many beatings that my body is tattooed with scars. But this is different. This is final. I can hear the crowd jeering and mocking, but it doesn't bother me. I've heard it before. They call me a thief, a murderer, a scoundrel. And they're not wrong. I've done terrible things in my life. I've stolen, cheated, and killed. And I never felt guilty about any of it until now. Because now I'm hanging next to a man named Jesus. I've heard about him before, of course. The rumors say he is a miracle worker, a prophet, maybe even the son of God. All the teachers I ever met were self-righteous. The political authorities were corrupt. And the healers were all charlatans. I was raised to believe that the prophet which Moses spoke about would come and deliver us from Roman bondage and set up a kingdom where we would be the rulers. Each night when she was putting us to bed, me and my three brothers, my mother would pray for the coming of the Messiah. She died without seeing her prayer answered, and all four of us chose lives of crime. I'm the last one, and I won't be around much longer. People have been hoping for some fable deliverer for generations. Thuidas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men joined him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared, around the time that I was born, and drew away people after him. He too perished, and all his followers were scattered. And then earlier this week, Dismas, my partner in crime, the one who hangs even now on the right side of Jesus, told me that this very Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey at the second coming of King David. Many of the people who were calling this morning for Pilate to crucify him were shouting something different that day. They called out, Hosanna, save us. They treated him like a conquering king. But when he ended up getting himself arrested, tried and condemned, they figured he was just like all those other pretenders. As I watched Jesus hang there, Bleeding and dying, something stirred inside me. I heard him speak to the soldiers, asking God to forgive them for what they're doing. And I wondered, how can he do this? How can he forgive them after all they've done to him? I heard someone say, he saved others, let him save himself. 
And so I turned to him. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. It was worth a shot, right? If he really was the Messiah, maybe he wanted to show how powerful he was by coming down from the cross. Imagine the kind of following he would get if he could do that. And if he was coming down, why not take us with him? But Dismas turned on me. Have you no fear of God, he shouted. I could see that there were tears in his eyes. He was always so weak. Then he went on. You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. Come on. We had heard what happened at the trial. When Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, If you say so. And there were witnesses who testified that they heard him say that he could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Others claimed that he desecrated the Sabbath and claimed power to forgive sins. No wonder he was charged with blasphemy and sedition. Then Dismas turned back to Jesus. With pleading in his voice, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus smiled at him and responded, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. The word echoed in my mind. Is it really possible? Could I, a sinner and a criminal, be forgiven and welcomed into paradise? Not possible. And if impossible for me, would it not also be impossible for Dismas? He is as much of a reprobate as I am. He may not be as cold and cunning as me, but he is every bit as ruthless. I strained to look over at Dismas after Jesus spoke these words to him. The movement caused such pain that I thought I would pass out. But I could see my fellow criminal's face. He was calm and composed. I saw him close his eyes and mumble something I could not hear. He seemed at peace in a way I'd never seen him before. I could taste bile in my mouth, and I knew I hated him. I hated him for thinking that he was better than me. I hated him for chastising me in front of all the people who were watching us. I hated him for ingratiating himself to Jesus. Who is Jesus anyway? He's dying an ignominious death, just like the two of us. That was a few hours ago. As I continue to hang here, my hatred has begun to dissipate. There are still soldiers and others down below, and occasionally they still mock us. But most people are ignoring us now. The king of the Jews is getting their attention. So I turned to Jesus again. Are you not powerful enough to save yourself? What kind of Messiah are you? Even as I say the words, I know they are wrong. I know that Jesus is not here to save himself, but to save us, to save me. And something tells me that even though he may be dying on that cross, he did something for Dismas, and he could probably do something for me. Dismas calls out to me, Gestus, repent before you die on that cross. Ask Jesus to save you. Maybe he can save me. Maybe all the stories about him rescuing people from sin, curing them of leprosy, even raising them from the dead, are true. But I shake my head. No, it's too late for me. I've lived my whole life without God, without caring about anyone else. Why would he forgive me now? Yet, I can't help but feel a sense of longing. A sense that maybe, just maybe, there is a way out of this darkness. The soldiers continue to mock him. He says that he's thirsty, and they bring him vinegar to drink. 
and I hear him speak again. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. Forgive me. The words are like a bomb to my soul. They fill me with a sense of hope, of possibility. Maybe if I just cry out to him, maybe if I can just forget about all those people watching me, but pride hardens my heart. The darkness begins to close in and I can feel myself slipping away. As I struggle with my final breaths, I think about what could have been. Then I hear Jesus again. It is finished. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he's gone. He's dead. Some moments later, the centurion confirms it after thrusting a spear into his side. He committed his spirit into his father's hands. Where will my spirit go? What if I had just turned to Jesus, had, had asked for forgiveness, had opened my heart to him? Could I have been saved? I'll never know the answer to that question. But I do know one thing. Jesus died for me even though I didn't deserve it. It's too late for me, but it might not be too late for you.